All right, welcome to Seacoast. My name is Pastor Dale. I love the sound. I love the sound of the chaos. I love the sound of the uh, chaotic, welcoming, talking. You have so much more interesting stuff to talk about than, than listening to me. But we're going to go to the Word. So welcome to Seacoast. You can continue those great conversations out in the plaza. Not right now. Don't get up and leave. I'm talking about later. But I'm uh, honored to be one of your missionaries and also uh, occasionally a part of the teaching team. And it's a joy to share the Word of God. Isn't that? Have you ever thought about that? We actually listen to the Word of God. What a privilege. What a privilege. I'd like to welcome you. I'd like to welcome those that are online, too, who are joining us. And because Becky and I spend most of our time um, in Africa and several countries in the Middle East, etc., some of our friends are actually joining us today in our services. So if you are listening and joining us from Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, um, uh, Rwanda, uh, someone from Egypt in the first service. Uh, you know, it's great to have you as our guest. Would you join me in just saying to them, welcome world. Okay, one, two, three. Welcome world. Yeah, we love having you join us. Join us any week here at Seacoast. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for your word and the richness of it. And thank you today that we can actually listen and study together um, the actual words of Jesus. And I pray that you would unlock some truth for each of us that would uh, set us free to follow you, um, be more fruitful, learn to abide. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. So open your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 with me. And as you do, uh, you know, as you're praying, just one little other personal prayer request. Be praying for upcoming trips that we're planning right now to Egypt and Tanzania and Kenya and probably back to the Middle East and Amman, Jordan. Be praying for that. Also pray for the Hobsons. They're longtime members here at Seacoast. Jim Hobson's dealing with a pretty severe uh, case of COVID that has put him uh, in a serious condition. So be praying for for Jim and Carol. Many of you know them, all right, as well. So let's go to the Word together. Let's go to the Word together. You know, what we're going to talk about today are the Father's dreams. Now, what do I mean by that? Everyone in the room that's been a father, a mother, or had a father or mother, I think that's about all of us. But especially if you've been a parent, you remember taking a new life holding it and being a little bit scared to death what happens if I drop this little thing this little boy little girl but you also remember beginning to have dreams for your children every good parent has a dream for their kids and I'm not even talking about oh I dream that my kid will be a doctor or lawyer or famous researcher or solve cancer or be the president. I'm not talking that type of dream. I'm talking about we dream for our children to grow up, to become young adults, uh, to live well, to make a difference in the world. We dream for them to grow up, to reflect in their lives the, the, the character and the, 
the values of our home and our family and especially of our faith. You know what I mean? Every parent dreams good dreams for their kids. When you study the Word of God, it says that when we come to faith in Christ, John 1.12 says that we become children of God. That when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it uses the, the word, we are born again. We're born spiritually. And we begin to grow as baby Christians, as baby followers of Jesus. So it raises the question, if we're the children of God and we're baby Christians, what's the Father's dream for you? What dream does Jesus Christ, the one that gives us our life, What's his dream for his children? Which means for you and me. We're going to look at a passage today that's going to describe the dream of the Father and the Son for you and me. And I want to warn you up front, it's going to be an intimidating dream. Because it's going to be a dream that we actually grow up to be like Jesus. Because as soon as I even say that, I think, how dare I say that? I mean, that is a pretty big dream. In fact, in, to some degree, I think that's impossible. We're going to learn today that that is indeed the dream, that it is indeed impossible, but that Jesus is actually going to unlock the secret to bearing fruit, to being more like him, to making a difference. So, open the passage, John chapter 15, and let's just read it over together first, and then I'll take it apart and see if we can't learn how it applies in our everyday, everyday life. You have to imagine the setting now in John 15, 1, because you've got to go back to John 14, last verse, verse 31. Jesus has been teaching his disciples in the upper room. Jesus has been teaching them in chapter 13 of the importance of loving one another and actually loving one another as he loved us to be like him he's been teaching that the only way you can do that is he's going to send his spirit to live in us and he promises that in chapter 14 and then right at the end of chapter 14 right at the end jesus says this now let's get up let's go from here and it doesn't tell us where he went but I think from the context, Jesus probably got up and took his disciples for a walk. And, and as they walked through the area around Jerusalem, my guess is they passed a vineyard. We'll show you some pictures, actually, in a little bit that are going to help you picture it. But as he's walking through the vineyard, imagine this. He stops, points down at one of the grape vines, and he says... I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. He owns the vineyard. He cares for the vineyard. Every branch, and he reaches and picks up one of the long, those long branches that grow up off the vine. Can you picture that? He picks up a branch and he, and he says, every branch in me, connected to me as the vine, 
that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Now, let me stop for a minute because that sounds like, well, what do you mean he takes it away? Does he throw it away? Does he cut it off? No, 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 no. If you study this phrase in the Greek language of the passage, uh, I think a better translation is he, it's like he takes it away. He lifts it up. It could be translated, he lifts it up, cleans it. Because uh, the vine keepers in a vineyard often you know, vines might, or branches on a vine may get kind of buried under so much foliage that they're not getting any sunshine necessary for them to bear fruit. So in this case, what he's saying is, and it makes sense when you read it again, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it's not bearing fruit yet. He lifts it up. And every branch that is bearing fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear even more fruit. You're already clean, because he knows they often lift it up and clean it. You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I think it's a metaphor for you're already spiritually clean. You're forgiven of your sins. You've put your faith in me. You're, you're one of my branches. God has already cleaned you up by my work that I will soon do on the cross, because you've placed your faith in me. He says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken. Now the heart of the passage, verse 4. Abide in me. Perhaps taking that branch and showing where it connects to the vine. Abide in me, and I abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, if a branch is cut off from the vine, it's not going to bear any fruit. It's got to be connected to the vine because the vine, we're going to see later, is with the source of life. It's, it's the source of nutrition. It's the source of the water. It's the source of everything the branch needs to bear or hang the fruit. You are already clean because of the word. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, every time you hear this word abide, what's it mean? Uh, it's, it's a word that kind of means to, to live in, to dwell in, to draw your life from the vine, to connect to the vine, stay connected and draw your life from, from me, Jesus is saying. The branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine. Now this is emphasis. I am vine. You are the branches. Now in the Greek text, it actually doesn't have the, the word uh, you are the branches. It, it's translated in English that way to make it flow smooth, but you miss some of the impact because what he really says is, I am the true vine. You are branches. Read it that way. You're just a branch. Remember your branchness. You're not a little vine. You know, and I'm glad Jesus said this because I think a lot of times I would have thought that Jesus is going to say, guess what? I am the vine. I have a lot of branches. I have a lot of fruit. Now, since you're like me, you go be a little vine and grow up and bear fruit like me and get to work. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm the only true vine. You, as a follower, 
You're a branch. You picture that? You're a branch. Remember that. Very important. So you are, quote, just a branch. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, again, you can do nothing. Branches don't bear any fruit unless they're connected to the vine. Got it? Yeah. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I think this is a reference to eternal punishment. I think it's a reference to the lost. The one who's not even connected to the vine is, is a dead branch, apart from Christ. But that's not the main focus. Then in verse 7, he begins to talk about this abiding. How do you abide? What do you do? He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Underline the word abide every time it comes out it jumps out at you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i kept my father's commandments and i abide in his love these things i have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full amen that's the metaphor jesus uses with his disciples now to really picture this let's begin to take it apart now and study it and understand who is who and who are we and what is Jesus and what, you know, what, what, what does each person do in this, in this great story of the vine and the branches? Well, first of all, the vine is Jesus. Jesus is just like this vine in the picture on the screen. I think there's a picture on the screen. It is. It's just not back there. It is. Uh, Becky and I happen to be meeting with pastors and a couple churches uh, to help them uh, just last week, actually. And uh, while we were there, they happened to be in Northern California. One of the churches was in Santa Rosa, California. And we looked on the map and realized, you know, that's kind of next to some really cool vineyards. So we did a little visit to some vineyards. And, and I thought, now I'm getting ready to teach this passage. I better update my photos. So I took a picture of this. This is an old vine zen, if you want to be technical, okay. This is an old vine. This is a vine that's over 100 years old. And it's gnarly, but it's woody, and, and it's fully pruned at this point. In fact, when they prune it, this is what happens. You have a big pile of uh, branches next to it. All those branches came off those vines, and they gather them up, and they burn them. But you're not one of those cut-off branches in this story. In fact, in this story, the next picture is a better image of what Jesus is talking about. This is a vineyard. In fact, this is where Becky and I were by coincidence in March of 2020. What happened then? Yeah, COVID breaks out. We're actually in South Africa training pastors who pastor churches in some of the poorest communities called townships in South Africa. And we had just finished training pastors in Uganda and, and we flew to South Africa and then we got the phone calls and saying, hey, you know, they're getting ready to shut down the airlines. If you want to get home, you better come now. So we had to leave early. But before we left, we did get a day visiting some of the vineyards. And this is a beautiful vineyard. Well, they're saying, God the Father is the owner of the vineyard. And then this next picture shows you what the branches are like. See, these branches 
They grow thick and long, and, and sometimes uh, branches get buried, and they have to be lifted up by the vine dresser to lift them up, and others get too long, and they have to be pruned, and we'll talk about why later, but this is a, this is a groomed vine with its branches. The next picture shows you. So this is what you are. You are like one of these green, long, skinny branches. You're a branch. Jesus is the vine. In fact, here it is. That's Jesus. Yeah, that's Jesus. He's the vine. You don't prune the vine. That vine is where life comes from, for the branch. And what's the result when the life flows through the vine into the branches? It's this. Yeah. That's a nice cab. Or maybe it's a Merlot. I don't really know. But the bottom line is that's a big, juicy, healthy clump of grapes. That's the fruit. And that's what Jesus in his story is saying. Look, I'm the vine. You're just a branch. And my dream for you is that you bear much fruit. And I'm going to work with you. I'm going to lift you up and clean you off when needed. I'm going to, I'm going to prune you when you need it. And, but the bottom line is you stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit. Now, what fruit is he talking about? Because there's one more character in the story too, and that's the vine dresser. The vine dresser that's going to help do this is God the Father. So God the Father and God the Son are going to work by the power of God the Spirit in our lives to somehow help us bear fruit. Now, what do I mean by fruit? Here's my definition. In this story, I believe the fruit Jesus is referring to is this. It is the life of Jesus reproduced in us, on us, and through us. It's the life of Christ literally being lived out through you and through me as human beings. That's what he's talking about. Why do I say in us, on us, through us? Well, first you've got to understand for the branch to bear fruit, the life of the vine's got to flow through it. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying, is that when you stay connected to me, I'm going to flow through your branch. In fact, I'm going to live in you. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, see? He's talking about the indwelling of his spirit. And when you become a follower of Jesus, you are born into his family. You become a whoop, little branch. That's my sound for what happens when a new branch breaks out on the vine. Can you say that with me? Whoop. Okay, now all these little branches pop out. And initially, they're little. They don't have any fruit. They start to grow. That's us as followers of Jesus. And Jesus is in us. He sends his spirit to live in us. He tells us that in John chapter 14. Just write the reference, verse 16 and 17. He says, I have been with you and I will soon be in you. And we know that he sent his spirit to indwell his church at Pentecost. And it's been that way ever since. When you come to faith in Christ, you are indwelt by his spirit. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So Christ is literally in us as branches, bearing fruit like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. We begin to be like Jesus in those areas. 
Secondly, the fruit is produced, so it's hanging on us. It's visible. It's displayed on us. It's living in us. It's displayed on us. So when people see our lives, they actually see us being more loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and all of that stuff. We actually begin to emulate the character of Jesus Christ. That sounds impossible, but hold on. In a minute, I want to tell you how you can do that, or Jesus will tell you. And then he works through us in the world to grow God's vineyard. That's the kingdom of God. So what are the key lessons from the story? We've kind of explained what it means, what the metaphor means, but what are the lessons for you and me in everyday life? Let's get real practical, okay? Here we go. I see four major lessons about how to be a fruitful branch. Now, that's not a misspelling, by the way. That's what I meant. You don't want to just be fruitful. You want to be full of fruit. Because Jesus has said, I want you to bear fruit. And then again, he says, I want you to bear more fruit. And then he says, I want you to bear much fruit. You know, so the bottom line is, fruitful branch is really God's dream for you as one of his children, one of his branches. That's it. But it happens when you abide. And again, what's that mean? It means to dwell in, draw your life from, stay connected, live, draw your life from Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, let me give you four, maybe I'll give you a bonus fifth observation. Number one is give up. Give it up. That is, give up the idea of making yourself fruitful because it is impossible to be fruitful without Christ. Jesus couldn't be more clear. He says, apart from me, you can do pretty good, but I can make you better. Is that what he says? No, he doesn't say that. Look at the Bible. Look at the text. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now he's talking about being fruitful in the sense of emulating the life of Christ. You can't reproduce the life of Christ on your own. It's impossible. So in one sense, the Christian life, meaning being like Jesus, is not only hard, it's impossible. So give it up. If you've thought that Christianity was about trying harder and shaping yourself up and making yourself perfect, and that that's, doesn't work. And that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus says, give it up. Number two is, I would say, the passage teaches, so therefore stay humble and reliant upon Christ, reliant upon his spirit. Live 24-7 with the attitude that I'm trusting him to do it. And the reason I say this is our very best self-effort produces frustration, not fruitfulness. So if you want more fruitfulness, you don't get it by saying, you know something, I'm just going to shape up and I'm just going to work harder because I know I can do it. I know I can conquer this sin. I know I can be a better person. I know I can do this. It's self-effort self-righteousness. Jesus said, you know, this doesn't, doesn't work. It's a nice, I mean, it's good that you want to change, but it's not the secret to bearing more fruit. The secret is acknowledging God, I can't. But reliance on him says, but you can, and you live in me. See, the secret to living the Christian life is not trying harder it is trusting more 
in the Spirit who lives in you. Trusting more in Him. And I'll show you how to do that in a little bit. Jesus will, actually. So it's, it's about trusting, not trying. It's about realizing that I am 24-7 reliant upon the Spirit of God who I know lives in me. Some people will teach you, yeah, but have you gotten good enough to get the Spirit? No, no, no. The Spirit of God enters into you the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit is a gift. You don't earn the Spirit. You don't earn His gifts. The Spirit is a gift from God. So if you've been taught by other churches or backgrounds that you've got to be good enough to earn it, that's a lie. Just don't buy it. It's a mistake. Romans 8, 9, you want one verse. says, he who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't even belong to Christ. And the Spirit of God lives in us. So know that that's a promise. Jesus said, I am going to live in you. When you connect to me, my life is going to flow out of the vine into the branch. So there is an attitude 24-7 here of saying, God, I trust you. God, I need you. God, I depend upon you. And I thank you that you're available to me through your spirit. Now you say, well, Dale, but what if we sin? Well, yeah, and you will. Because there's no perfect branches. We all still sin. I still sin. And you still sin. But when, even when I sin, what do I do? I need to tighten my connection to the vine. How do you do that? Well, you do what Jesus taught us. You confess your sin. Say, God, I, I, I'm honest with you. This is what I did. I know I blew it. I know this is not the kind of branch you want me to be. And I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. We'll come to this in a minute. But you, you, you put yourself back under his grace. You appreciate his grace. And you say, and God, by the way, thank you that your spirit is within me and will never leave me. So you tighten your connection to the vine. You abide in the vine. Give it up. Stay humble and reliant upon his spirit. The third observation I want to hit is I think we need to be expectant of fruitfulness because the fruit of his spirit is abundant and available to every Christian. Okay? It really is. How do I know that? Well, Jesus in verse 2 says, even if you are a branch that's not bearing fruit, I'm going to take you up. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to clean you off. And I'm going to help you get more light and more sun so you begin to bear fruit. Because little tiny new branches don't have any fruit. This is true on every type tree. Rather, It doesn't matter if the lime tree, lemon tree, orange tree, whatever. But in the vineyard especially, there are branches that are just too young and, and they're not bearing much fruit yet. But Jesus says, I'm not going to put you away because of that. I'm going to love on you, lift you up, clean you off, and help you begin to bear fruit. But then as you begin to bear fruit, look what it says in verse 2. It says, and, as, and if you're a branch that's bearing fruit, then the Father is going to prune it so that it may bear more fruit. The secret from going from fruitfulness to more fruitfulness is pruning. Isn't that interesting? See, we'll come to that in a minute. When you prune on a tree or a vineyard, what are you doing? You're removing, the branch gets so long that all of the energy coming into the branch is being sucked up by too many leaves and too long of a branch. And, 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 and when, the, when the father comes and prunes it, all of a sudden the branch lifts up more and gets more light and, and that energy is concentrated to bear more fruit. 
So if you're already fruitful, you can expect God needs to prune, and we'll explain that in a minute. So give it up, stay humble and reliant, be expectant, because God expects to bear more fruit. It's all through this passage. Be fruitful, bear more fruit, bear more fruit, until finally verse 8, which says you bear so much fruit that the Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's what Jesus taught back in John 13. He says, okay, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. You're going to emulate my love. And when you do, it will prove to the world that you're my disciples. See, when we live like Jesus, it is a apologetic to the world to say, this thing is real. Christianity is not just religion, it's real. See, religion is about growing your own fruit by your own efforts to try to get enough fruit that you can bring it to God and hopefully God accepts it and lets you in. That's religion. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with a living God who says, I'm going to by grace give you life. I'm going to send you, I'm going to bring you life through Jesus Christ, bring you alive, and then I'm going to even supply the power to bear more fruit. And bearing fruit is not to earn something. Bearing fruit, it doesn't earn your salvation. It may earn rewards, as I mentioned in Scripture, but it's not to earn your salvation. Your salvation is a gift from God. In response to the gift, you abide. That's the idea. Be expectant. The fruit of the Spirit is abundant and available. So to abide, what are we learning? First of all, stop trying in the sense of give it up. Give up the idea that I can fix myself. Stay humble and reliant 24-7. Say, God, every morning when I get out of bed, i got to pray, God, your spirit is in me. I rely upon you. Use me today. Change me today because I need your power to empower my life. Humble and reliant. Be expectant and be watching for fruit. Be watching for, to become a person that has a greater degree of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control, the, the fruit of his spirit. And, and when you don't see those things, get on your knees and say, God, what, what am I doing wrong? God, where am I not connecting to the power of your spirit? Because this is what you want me to be. You want fruit. So give it up. Stay humble and reliant. Be expectant. And then this next passage, beginning in verse 7, it, it's fascinating because right now you would think, sermon over. Just abide in Jesus, and that's all it takes to bear more fruit. But for some reason, Jesus begins to add some things, but they're all connected. Here they are. Listen to them. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 7. What's he saying here? I think what he's saying is, Branches that bear more fruit have deep roots. They have deep roots. You need to go deep in your faith with Jesus Christ. So he begins by saying, abide in my word and prayer. So, and, and, and as you abide and spend time and dwell in the word of God, it helps you abide in Christ. As you spend more time in prayer and by the way, 
he says, whatever you ask, it shall be done for you. Um, I don't think this is a blanket prayer, like, okay, pray, for, pray for that you win the lottery, uh, pray for a better job, it'll always happen. No, no, no. You've got to interpret this promise that if you abide in prayer uh, and abide in the word, that whatever you ask will, will come. You've got to take the context. What's the context before and after this? It's being like Jesus. It's bearing more fruitfulness. Okay, it's, it's having Jesus in you, on you, displayed and, and through you. That's what he's talking about. I, I, it's not a blanket promise for any old prayer you want to make up because, hey man, I want a million bucks. God, please do it. You promised. You know, I, I, I actually prayed that prayer a few times. It has not happened. But, but when you begin to say, God, help me with my love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of his spirit. I think when you begin to pray on these things, God, help me to live in response to your word, then that's when he, I believe, promises results. So don't be confused by this. By the way, this whole idea of rooted is the same word that Ryan used earlier when he said, if you want to get connected to our church, go through a, an experience called Rooted. It starts next week, and if you haven't been through it yet, I'd really encourage you to, to take the course, you know, because it's, it's an experience, a small group experience right here on Sunday morning, and if you've never been through it, I'd, I'd advise, because it's going to help you learn the ways to be rooted in Christ, rooted in our church, and rooted with purpose in your life. So try rooted. It's a great word. So be rooted in Christ, but as you do that, get rooted in the word and prayer. And then he says in verse 9, just look at it, he keeps building. He says, the Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And he says, just as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So abide in my love. There it is, abide. You abide in Christ by abiding in his word and prayer, by abiding in his love. Now what's that mean? It means to live daily, to draw, to live your life with a constant awareness of his love for you. Just like he always knew his father loved him, and he never questioned that. The grace of God tells us that no matter what our week is like, in our best week of the year or our worst week of the year, you abide in grace. You abide in the unconditional love of God, proven at the cross by one who died for you and me when we were yet sinners. Jesus didn't die for us because we went through a self-improvement program and we got good enough that he came and died for us. No, no, no. He came when we were yet sinners and died for us. So abide in that love. Learn to live in a... in an atmosphere of grace. Breathe in grace like you breathe in oxygen. When you sin, confess it. It's like poison. It's like, it's like uh, carbon dioxide in your lungs. Exhale your sin, but then don't just tell God how terrible you are. Thank God for his grace and his love and, and inhale <sighs> big deep breath of grace. You know, I don't know about you, but I have to breathe off and on all day long. I can't breathe once an hour. I can't breathe once a day, twice a day. It pretty much is an ongoing process. 
And I really think spiritually, we need to be thinking of this like that, that we spiritually exercise what one disciple or of mine said was spiritual breathing. We are, when we sin, we get honest and confess it to God, and we inhale his forgiveness. We inhale grace. We don't earn his forgiveness. It's already there. But we need to thank God that we have his spirit. Thank God that we're forgiven. Thank God that we're not stuck forever in this sin and we have hope because his spirit lives in us. See, that's, I think, what he's talking about when he says, abide in my love. Then verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I don't think he's saying that you earn the love of God, because he's already said you abide in love. But what he's saying is this. In fact, elsewhere, Jesus put it this way. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Not that we don't sin. We all do at times. But the idea is, the love of Christ is what motivates us to obedience. And the more that we live in obedience, faith-based obedience, we root ourselves in an attitude of, God, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want to listen to your word and, and meet with you in prayer and, and abide in your word and abide in your spirit. And, and then you help me live out a lifestyle of obedient faith. Then you begin to see more fruit. See, what we're talking about is the key to fruitfulness, but I can't skip verse 2 one more time, and that's this. Embrace his pruning. Now, what do you mean by embrace his pruning? Well, it says right there in verse 2 that if you're already bearing fruit, to bear more fruit, the Father has to prune you. Now, pruning is a reduction that increase production. It's not just lopping off any old branch. The, the father wisely takes every branch and thinks, where's the perfect place to lop it off? Because you want to lop off some of the excess branch, excess leaves, so that all of the, the energy of your of, 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 of the life of Christ flowing through you can bear more fruit. In other words, what are the things in my life that suck up my life but don't bear fruit for Christ? I think we all have them, right? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's addiction to too much TV or to sports or, or to money or to chasing, chasing it. Or maybe it's an addiction to whatever. Maybe it's loving other things more than I love Christ. Whatever competes in my heart for the love of Christ, whatever is competing for that and, 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 and whatever is distracting me from, from following Christ and abiding in him, the idea is lop it off. Because when you prune, you actually have a shorter branch that bears more fruit. Some of us are long branches. I've been a Christian for so long, my branch is way out there, Pastor Dale. i got the longest branch in the church, but i got no fruit. Because I, you know, you know the, the branch is longer because I go to church, I go to more meetings, I'm in more Bible studies. In other words, I'm doing, doing, doing everything. I'm just busy, but I'm not letting Christ change me. Because even busyness 
can rob us of fruitfulness. So get busy with things that bear more fruit. Let God show you things that he can help you prune. The Father has the wisdom. And as you do all of these, what do you do? Give it up, get humble and reliant, stay focused on abiding, expect to see fruit, grow deeper roots in the word and prayer and and obedience. The result? More joy. More joy. Be joyful. That's the promise. Verse 11. This is a promise from Jesus. He says, These things I'm speaking to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. Jesus wants full joy, not partial joy, for you and me that flows out of abiding in him resting in him, trusting in him, getting in his word, getting in prayer, getting in a lifestyle of resting in his grace and living out faithful obedience. And as we do that, we get deeper roots. You know, the best grapes for making good wine come from vines that have deep roots, so deep that doesn't matter if it rains or not. They're going, to find the, they're going to find the nutrients. They're going to find the water because they have deep, deep roots. Your faith needs deep, deep roots so that when you hit dry times, when you hit tough times, you're still connected. You're still connected. In Christ, you are connected to the vine. Nothing can change that. So now abide, go deep, and say, God, I want to not just have life. I want to bear fruit for you, for your kingdom. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much that you, by your grace and your goodness, you have sent your spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ, to live in us. You've connected us to him as our vine. And Father, I pray this morning, uh, beginning with me, Father, you would help each of us look at and say, God, what, uh, what do we need to ask you to prune out of my life? That I might have more time to focus on my vine. I may have more time to be in the word and in prayer. I may have more time to focus on your grace. Breathe in grace. Would you bear more fruit? Thank you that it's by your strength that you do it. It's not my fruit, it's your fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dale.